Well, church, this morning we're going to have a, a message from the book of Isaiah, chapter 6. Uh, we're going to read the first to the twelfth verses, so let's jump right into it right now so that um, we can get to the reception for Mark Thews. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord, God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory, and the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people with unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth, and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord say, Whom shall I send, and whom will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go. Say to this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, their ears heavy, and their eyes blind, lest they would see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and then turn and be healed. And I said, How long, O Lord? And he said, Until cities lie waste without inhabitant, and houses without people. And the land is a desolate waste, and the Lord removes people far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness to us. As we dive into the word of Isaiah, the word of Isaiah to a people of long ago, help us, Lord, to see <coughs> that that word is for us. That this passage in Isaiah 6 on this Sunday is meant for us. That these words are loving words to us, loving words to your people that challenge us and call us to yourself. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If I had to label the message this morning, it would be, Take the Long Way Home. When I was 14 years of age, catch that, 14 years of age, I had my first car. You're going to love this. It was a 1971 Volkswagen Beetle. But the problem was I was 14 years of age. I couldn't drive it because I wasn't licensed yet. So I spent a couple of years uh, working on that thing and making it how I wanted it to be. But I was still 14, 15, and 16 before I could use it. I was the child of a single working mom who found himself in junior high school. And what that meant 
with regards to transportation without going into great detail is that I bummed a lot of rides home to and from school events or I walked. And generally speaking, if it was daylight, I locked to walk. But to get home from my junior high school, you call them middle schools today, I had two choices. I could follow the path of State Route 39 through East Liverpool, Ohio, take every turn and every curve along the way over the river and through the woods, or I could drop myself down onto the railroad tracks. And as you can imagine, in a city, the railroad tracks don't have left and right and ups and downs. It's a pretty straight shot, and I could walk those railroad tracks all the way home, and usually much quicker than I could following State Route 39, and usually without fail, it made better sense to me to walk the railroad tracks. Why would you do otherwise? I've got to tell you, my mother had 101 reasons why I'd do otherwise, but I usually took the short way home and not the long way home. I want you to listen again to what Isaiah writes for us. I'm going to take it about three or four verses at a time, but I want you to get in your head. I want to paint on, the my, on your mind a portrait of what Isaiah is, deal, or Uzziah, Isaiah is dealing with. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, and he was sitting upon a throne, and he was high and lifted up, and the train of his temple, or his robe, filled the temple. Above him there were seraphim, and he goes on to describe them, and they has one of them calling out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory, and the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of the one who called, and the house was filled with smoke. I want to talk for a minute to you about Isaiah seeing the Lord. He said, I saw the Lord. He begins his message today with these words, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. You know, King Uzziah really had a good reputation up to a point. Uzziah would go down in history as a king that was good. But he had been disciplined by God on one occasion, and he died following that discipline. Not a cause of the discipline, but he died following that discipline. And the discipline was a result of the fact that Uzziah had attempted to do the priestly role in burning incense that the priests were called to do. And when he did that, God disciplined him. The discipline was that he wound up having leprosy, and he died having leprosy. And as Isaiah writes the words to us, he wants us to understand not that Uzziah was a bad king because he was disobedient, not that Uzziah was a bad king because he had leprosy, but rather that Uzziah was a good king. He was, in fact, probably near the final hope that Israel had at this point in their history. And he says, in the year that my king, Uzziah, died, that's when I saw the Lord. You see, Isaiah was telling us that he saw something that no one else was able to see. In spite of the fact that the king had died, Uzziah saw some, or Isaiah saw someone sitting on a throne. Now you need to understand that Isaiah is seeing a picture of heaven. Jesus 
In the book Gospel of John, Jesus would say these words. Just one verse, he would say this. He said, Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Listen, Jesus knew that Isaiah had seen the Lord sitting on his throne in the year that King Uzziah died. And he knew that that vision, that sight of seeing the Lord sitting on his throne gave Isaiah hope. You see, the nation of Israel was in jeopardy. They were being disobedient. Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah up to this point, he has delivered two messages to the people of Israel and they've essentially ignored him. Isaiah could not change the jeopardy that Israel was in until the hearts of the people were changed to see the jeopardy that they were in. But God gave him this one reassurance. God's still sitting on the throne. In the year that the hope of King Uzziah died, in the year that King Uzziah died and left his throne, Isaiah says, I, I saw the Lord, and he was still sitting upon the throne. And I want you to notice, church, what the angels say, what the seraphim say. They say the whole earth is filled with the glory of the Lord. So not only does Isaiah see this picture of the Lord sitting on his throne, but he hears a message from God, and the message of God is the whole earth is filled with the glory of the Lord. Now I want you to understand something. Isaiah couldn't see that. Isaiah's perspective was that they were in trouble. He had told them they were in trouble. Isaiah's perspective was that we are in a bad situation here and we don't know what we're going to do. Israel may actually tumble off the face of the earth and we are in real jeopardy. And now to make it worse, our king has died. And God reminds Isaiah, there's a throne in heaven where the king of all kings sits. And don't forget Isaiah. That from my perspective, from the throne room of heaven, not from where you see it, Isaiah, but from where I see it, Isaiah, the whole earth is full of the glory of the Lord. You know, the psalmist would write these words, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. And the whole earth will be filled with his glory. God was trying to remind Isaiah and the nation of Israel that he was still sitting on the throne. That he was still sitting there on his throne in spite of the fact that King Uzziah had died. And church, I want you to understand how Isaiah saw this. Because in the next few verses, verses 5 to 7, listen to what Isaiah says. He says, Woe is me, for I am lost. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with tongues from the altar, and he touched my mouth, and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Church, listen. I want you to hear again what Isaiah said. Woe is me. For I am lost. Church, the, the sight that Isaiah had of God sitting on his throne in glory, that sight 
allowed Isaiah to get a real insight into himself. Understand this, when, when Isaiah saw a very holy God sitting in a holy place upon his holy throne, Isaiah had a real insight into who he himself really was. You see, the sight of that holiness of the Lord in the holy heavens, sitting upon his holy throne, reminded, convicted Isaiah, brought to his mind, brought to his heart, brought to his spirit, just exactly who he really was. Isaiah's heart was convicted because of who he was. And he says, woe is me. I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people with unclean lips. Can I tell you how Isaiah knew his dire situation spiritually? You see, Isaiah knew his heart was unclean because his lips were unclean. Do you know what Jesus said in the book of Matthew chapter 12? Listen to this. How can you speak good when you're evil? For out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of the good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. You see, Isaiah, in looking at his holy God, sitting on his holy throne in his heavenly kingdom, was struck with just how unholy he was. Seeing the Lord upon his throne gave Isaiah new insight into his own failure with regards to sin. I'm an unclean person with unclean lips, amongst unclean people, with unclean lips. Woe is me, what shall I do? Well, there's an answer to that question. Do you remember when King David committed adultery with Bathsheba. Do you remember what he did? He first tried to cover it up. When he couldn't cover it up, he had Bathsheba's husband killed. When he thought that no one would see and no one would know, God knew. And God sent Nathan to come and to confront David with his sin. Church, pay attention because that's what's happening to Isaiah. Isaiah is trying to serve the Lord. He's delivered the message two times. And finally, when he gets a clear vision of who God is, he gets a realistic vision of who he is. Seeing a holy God allowed Isaiah to see just how unholy he was. And on the day that Nathan the prophet came to King David and confronted him about his sin that he thought no one knew, David realized who he was. And it drove David to conviction. In Psalm 51, David writes these words. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Church, let me tell you something. Isaiah was speaking. He had delivered two messages for God. But when he was confronted with a vision of who God was, he got a real dose of a taste of a look at who he was. And church, I I want you to know something. We can speak with the most eloquent of words. We can do the most wonderful of things. But if our heart is not right, 
if we are unclean people with unclean lips, if we're trying to do the right thing, but it really isn't flowing from a heart that knows the right one, we will fail. Before we can take up our cross to serve Jesus, church, we've got to accept that Jesus who hung on the cross for our sins. Every great servant of the Bible knew this fact. Every great servant of the Bible, you go look, they acknowledged their sin before they could truly do God's work. When King David was called long before he was king, these were King David's words when he was just a shepherd boy. Who am I, O Lord God? What is my house that you've brought me this far? Do you hear what he's saying? I shouldn't be in this position. You've anointed me to be king. You're setting me up to take King Saul's place. Uh, who am I? I'm not worthy of that. If you don't remember that conversation, look just at the New Testament, at the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote these words. Here is a trustworthy saying that we all should accept. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Did you hear what Paul said? He said, I know that Jesus came into the world to save us all because we are all fallen and sinners. We are like Isaiah's nation of unclean lips, the people with unclean hearts. He says, but listen to me. I want you to know I'm the worst. You see, Paul understood. He was confronted by God with his sin, and he responded in a way that allowed him to be used by God. He accepted the Lord into his heart, and he was able to be used by God. Do you remember Peter? Peter's out one day in the Gospel of John, or Luke, and he's fishing with his disciples, his buddies, and they're catching no fish, and when they pull that great drag of fish up onto the ship, do you know what Peter said? He looks Jesus in the eye, and he says... Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Everyone that God has ever used greatly has been confronted with their sin by a holy God who wants to bring them to a new relationship and a new place in their walk with him. And so in the eighth verse, I want you to hear what Isaiah does. I heard the voice of the Lord. Now remember, let's go back and review. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. There were seraphim, and they spoke, and their, their, their wings waved. And I, I realized in the presence of the Lord that I'm an unclean man. I live in amongst the people that are unclean. Our lips what we say and what we do reveal how evil we are and unholy we are. And now God speaks. Listen, he has confronted Isaiah. And church, please don't miss this point. Isaiah had already spent six chap five chapters of the book of Isaiah trying to serve the Lord. And here in the eighth verse, I heard the voice of the Lord say, Who will I send? And who will go for us? And I said, here I am. Send me. And I'm not going to dwell on this, but I want you to get it. Isaiah first saw the Lord. Then he saw himself. 
And it was only when he saw his holy God and his own unholiness that he was able to see the need, the real need of those around him. The Lord speaks and says, who will I send? And who, for go, who can go for me? And Isaiah says, here am I, Lord. Send me. Church, I want to encourage you to realize that you should never discount what God can do with one willing heart. Here am I, send me. Nobody else wants to do, nobody else wants to get on board, nobody else wants to serve Jesus. Listen, he calls us to respond to the need he's placed before us. And when we do, you let him take care of the details. God speaks to Isaiah in response to his volunteering to go, and he says this. Go and say to this people, you keep on hearing, but never understanding. You keep on seeing, but never perceiving. Your heart will be made dull. Your ears will be made heavy. Your eyes will be made blind. Lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and be healed. And Isaiah says, How long, O Lord? And the Lord said, Until cities lie waste without inhabitants, until houses without people and land is a desolate waste, and the Lord removes people far away, the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land, and even though there just be a tenth of them remaining, it will be burned again, like an oak tree whose stump remains when it's dropped. Church, I want you to know something. What Isaiah is told by God here is very important, and I'll tell you how I know that. God speaks, he says to Isaiah this, Go and say to this people, Keep on hearing, but don't understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. These words that I've just shared with you are quoted Six times in the New Testament. No other passage is quoted like this in the New Testament. No other Old Testament passage. Six t- Jesus quotes it. Paul quotes it. James quotes it. Matthew and Luke both quote it. These people, they keep on hearing, but they don't understand. They keep on seeing, but they can't perceive. Church, listen, I want you to get this. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah saw the Lord. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah saw his own sinfulness. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah saw the sinfulness of his countrymen. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah answered the call of God upon his heart. Who will go? Who shall we send? And Isaiah says, Here am I, Lord, send me. And you know what God says to Isaiah? Well, as you go, know this. These people refuse to see. They refuse to listen. They refuse to hear. You see, for all that Isaiah could see of God and of himself and of his country, God wanted Isaiah to see one more thing. 
This is going to be tough. I love what Eugene Peterson says regarding this passage. When he translated this passage in the message, Eugene Peterson put it this way. God said, go tell this people. Listen hard, but you'll never get it. Look hard, you'll never catch on. These people are blockheads. They've got their fingers and their ears and blindfolds on their eyes. They can't see a thing. They won't listen to a word. Unless you get the wrong idea, church, let me tell you something. God didn't make them blind. God didn't make them hard of hearing. God didn't make them difficult to understand the message. They did it themselves. Because, listen, the more they resist, this is important. The more that they resisted the truth of God's word from the mouth of Isaiah, the less they were able to receive God's word. I want to tell you something that you need to know. If Isaiah would have just zipped his trap, he would have had an easy life. If Isaiah would have just stopped telling the truth, he'd have had a wonderful life. But he couldn't. He had to remain faithful. Church, many... In my very earliest days of ministry, I had a little church. And I was there just a short while, but in my early days of being there, probably within two months of getting there, we had a little meeting and some of the leadership said to me, we want you to stop. What do you want me to stop? We want you to stop this stuff about salvation. We want you to stop this stuff about how we're sinners. We want you to stop talking to us about this. and We want you to speak peaceful things to us. I called up my friend, my preacher friend. I said, preacher, what do I do? He said, Joel, you keep preaching the word. You keep preaching the word. As long as it takes till somebody catches on. And if they don't catch on and they all walk out the door, you keep preaching the word till those that will walk in. Church, one day I want to tell you, there's these two older gentlemen that I never guessed. Bob Reed and Melvin Chestnut. And one Sunday I'm just preaching along there sharing the gospel and Bob Reed, his wife would not come to church with him because he had a heart problem and he would get excited. I only learned that after the fact. She wouldn't come because she was afraid he was going to die. One day I'm preaching and out of nowhere Bob Reed starts getting blessed by the Lord. Oh! <laughs> oh! He raised his hand. He stood up. He started testifying to who Jesus was in his life. Not too long after that, Melvin Chestnut, almost 90 years of age with a cane. Melvin stood up. He's whacking the back of a pew with that cane, but he's sharing Jesus. And God blessed us. You see what God was saying to Isaiah? Isaiah asked the question, Lord, how long do I do this? How long, O Lord? How long? That was his question. And I want you to hear what the Lord replies. Until the cities lie waste without inhabitants. Until the houses exist without people. Until the land becomes desolate. Until the people are moved far away. And there are many forsaken places in the midst of the land. 
Even though there will be less than 10% remaining in the land. And even though it will be burned again, Isaiah. You will continue to send my message. And that's how long it will take. What God is saying to Isaiah is this, church. And I w- please get this. The nation of Israel will be taken into exile. The land will be utterly devastated. The remnant re- remains. That less than 10% will survive. But Isaiah, no matter what it looks like, you will continue to preach my message as a man with unclean lips, amidst a people of unclean lips, as one who's been changed and transformed and responded to the call of God because you've seen that holy God and now you have to tell others. Church, I want you to understand something. When Isaiah looked around him at the start of this passage, you know what he saw? He saw devastation. He starts out, he says, the king is dead. We have no hope. It appears hopeless and there's nothing we can do. But I saw the Lord. I saw the holy God high and lifted up with his train filling the temple. And that holy God spoke something to me. And he said, Isaiah, your perspective is askew. For the whole earth is full of my glory. So Isaiah, will you go for me? And Isaiah said, here am I, Lord, send me. And man, when Isaiah answered that call, I want to tell you something. He had the joy. He had the, I know he was prepared to go and send the message far and long, high and wherever it had to go. And God said to him, Isaiah, it is not going to be all pie in the sky and the sweet by and by. Because these people will plug their ears. They will close their eyes. And you will see this land devastated. But Isaiah... You take a long-term perspective. When it seems like you're accomplishing nothing, Isaiah, understand that I, the holy God of Israel, who sits upon the throne in those holiest of places, I have called you. I have set you apart to this task. And Isaiah, though the world depart, I will be with you. And church, it brings me to my bottom line. And the bottom line is this. Meaningful ministry is always a marathon. It is not a moment in time. It's not a one-mile race. You need to be prepared to be in it for the long haul. You need to be prepared for the road to get bumpy. And you need to be prepared to look at things from God's perspective and not your own. Church, have you seen the Lord sitting upon his throne, high and lifted up? Have you seen that he knows all about us, and it's time for us to admit what we're all about? Have you seen that he can only use us? That a holy God can only use an unholy people after he has transformed us and changed us and called us to the task. It requires us to stand up first and say, Here am I, Lord, send me.
Not just my, just my hands, Lord, but my head, my whole body. Dunk me under, make me holy like you, and use me for your purposes. Oh, Isaiah, it's not going to be easy. That's okay, Lord, I trust you. Because I see things now from your perspective, not from mine. Church, I believe that's God's message for you this morning. Our ministry is not short-term. Our ministry is not hindered by a pandemic. Our ministry is not hindered by being thrown out of our building. Our ministry is not hindered by anything that this earth can throw at us because we serve a God who's deeper, higher, wonderful, more holy than all of that. And when we're faithful to him, he'll be faithful to us. Amen.